Welcome to the Five Tool Firefighter Podcast. My name is Nick Higgins, firefighter and author of the Five Tool Firefighter book. Each week, we bring you an inspiring message or person to help you become the best version of yourself you could be. This journey is for the long haul, not the short. Now let's start our journey to becoming the best version of ourselves we could be. We talk a lot about mental health. We talk about cancer in the fire service, occupational cancer for that, um, here in the U.S. However, this is happening all across the world. In other parts of the world, it's happening with firefighters all the time. And welcome back to the Five Tool Firefighter Podcast. Today, I am joined with a very special guest from the UK. I've been talking with this guy for a long time on social media. I tag him in almost every, actually all my posts that I have. Um, James Meredith of Stoke Invent. So James, man, I know we're on a six-hour difference, but welcome. Cheers, Nick. It's nice to be here. Finally, I'm glad we uh, we managed to to get the chat. I know we've been talking about it for a while now, um, so it's good to to have that face to face chat. Um, yeah, yeah, we've been going back and forth for quite some time. I um, I forgot how we found each other's pages, but I got attracted to the page right away. I like the concept of it. I thought what you were doing, you know, over here in the states, we don't see stuff a lot or hear about what's going on overseas, but to be able to connect with people over there and um, and hear about it, learn about it, and see what they're doing just as firefighter and first responder, it's truly inspiring and um, really helps us here see what's going on to advance ourselves as well and how we're taking care of ourselves. So I'm going to let you take it away, introduce who you are, and whatever you want to say. Great. Cheers, Nick. Um, yeah, I, I think it was one of those. I think we just, I can't remember how we, we first crossed paths, to be honest. Um I think it's one of those where you just you just end up um, sort of interacting with people that are doing a, a similar thing to yourself. Um, yeah, I I started the page, so it's coming up to four years now. Um, I started the page really just to just to encourage firefighters. Maybe it was to to it was to sort of reach firefighters in the UK um, to start with. That was my initial. Um, go. I didn't expect to have as much kind of reach as I've maybe had sort of as the page took off and I started engaging with more people from around the world, you know, people from the US, people from Canada, people from Europe. Um, so I've, I've kind of learned a lot along the way, um, really, as, I, as I've been going with it. But yeah, it just started as a way to encourage other firefighters to take care of themselves. I think there's a culture in our job where it's kind of it's, it's kind of almost frowned upon to care about yourself too much, really. Um, you know, where the people that look after other people, and I think sometimes we forget that we, we need to look after ourselves first. So that's where it, it started, really. Um, I've been in the job now 14 years um, as a firefighter in the UK across two different services. So I've worked with quite a lot of people in, in this, this this country, I guess. Uh, I've, you know, I've, I've worked on out of county jobs in other areas so I've kind of touched base with firefighters from other services and the culture does kind of permeate right across the UK I think and it's probably similar over there so it's just I think really we need to remember to to take care of ourselves before we can take care of other people because if we don't take care of ourselves we're not going to be much good for anybody else are we really absolutely um you know so what is what is the culture of the UK fire service like? You know, I, I don't know if it's similar to the US, but um, it seems like there's a lot of pride in, in what you do over there. 
I think so. Yeah, it's um, it's definitely kind of. I think it's like a, a quiet pride, if you like. Um, people don't like to to talk about it or be seen to be talking about it as much. Um, it's one of those where you you kind of come to work and you you kind of get on with what you're doing. And I think there's like a, a quiet pride there in, in in what what you're doing and the impact that you're having on other people. And I think. There's there's been it for a long time, so a, a big reason why I the main reason really why I started the page was to encourage um, cancer prevention uh, and sort of post fire decontamination really, and just try and get people to realise that there's a lot of stuff that we could be doing that's within our reach that that were when in the last there's been quite significant changes in the last even in the last couple of years really uh, definitely here. But just to make people realise there's a lot a lot we could be doing to be taking care of take care of ourselves that we're not doing, you know, even you go into a fire, you come out of a fire, your your kit is heavily contaminated. Change it, change it for some clean kit, clean yourself down, wipe yourself down, have a shower as soon as you can. Don't take that home, don't take it home to your family, you know, don't walk it around the rest of the station um where it can contaminate other areas of the station and affect, you know, other other members of staff. Um, other people that you work with, I think we kind of get tied up in the other areas of the job that were that, that we see as important, and we forget that looking after ourselves is is an important thing. And I think I think firefighters are quite kind of reluctant to be vulnerable sometimes, or to be seen as vulnerable. So maybe that's part of the culture. I think you know accepting that we do have this. Achilles heel, if you like, um, when it comes to to taking action to look after ourselves and just making sure that we are around to do the job for as long as we want to be, as long as we have to be, really. Um, you know, I've been I've been doing it for fourteen years and I've got another twenty four years before I retire. So that is a long a long time to be physically able to do such a, a demanding job, really, physically and mentally and emotionally demanding job at times as well and i'm sure the, the culture's probably similar over there pretty spot on the same over here um I'm like yeah it's pretty much the same and um i want to touch on a couple of things you talked about the one you spoke on was um cancer and um, yeah. what do you do over there even even with your department itself what are you guys doing for cancer prevention? Like, what, are there any statistics out there with occupational cancers on the rise in firefighters in the UK, or is it something that you guys are just trying to get ahead a of? So a bit of both, really. So we've um, the the Fire Brigade Union and um, the University of Central Lancashire have recently done uh, studies and surveys um, in the UK. They did a survey. They surveyed over 10,000 UK firefighters. I took part in the survey. I think this was, it's got to be three years ago now at least, with like a, a question bank, just trying to get an understanding of the culture, uh, the kind of day-to-day attitudes, activities, lifestyles, any uh, health conditions that we might have. So some of the questions were, you know, how long have you been doing the job? How often do you attend a fire? Um, how often do you send your kit off for cleaning? Uh, do you see 
dedicate as a badge of honour? Do you think this is outdated? Do you believe in this yourself? Uh, do firefighters kind of embody this culture? Do senior managers embody this culture in, in your service? How What kind of culture is is sort of fed down from the top? What culture is fed up from the bottom? So there was there was a lot of questions in there that kind of that helped them to paint a picture of the the culture of the UK fire service, and I also asked about cancer diagnoses that firefighters may have had in the past or currently, and I think the statistic came out. I can't remember the exact statistic. Uh, I've got it somewhere. I've, I've spoken about it with other people. I think it was of out of the ten thousand. I think it was something like there was several hundred out of the ten thousand that either have or have had cancer um, at some time, which you know, which is is quite a lot. And if you think, I think there's over. I mean, it's, it's small numbers compared to the US in terms of how many firefighters we've got. I think we've got between thirty and forty thousand firefighters in the UK. So in comparison to the US, it's a small number. But if you think that that's a you know, like as, as a sample number. It's it's a hefty number to survey, and so that painted a picture of of the odds that we we are dealing with. And it also didn't take into account retired firefighters either. It was only a survey of current firefighters, and I, I would like to take a guess that it's well. I know from, from the people I know and the, the people that I know that know other people, it's definitely more prevalent in retired firefighters. Um, absolutely, yeah. So I think we, we could benefit from from surveying retired firefighters as well um, at some point. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's um, similar here. Like, we have um, retired firefighters are coming back saying, you know, I, I have cancer. It's, it's being traced back to uh, occupational, coming from the job. Um, and, yeah. you know, they're able to, to get the treatments that they need, the fire service and wherever their jurisdictions are, whatever they can do to help them out. Um, my jurisdiction actually, we actually have a, a, a university that we cover in our in our area, and they're doing a cancer study, part of a PhD program for them, and it was voluntary for us. So if we wanted to be part of it, we sign up. They come to our house, and they run a bunch of tests. So they were checking for checking our vitals. We're doing a whole cancer screening. They did uh, all kinds of paperwork, and we have to sit through presentations on their findings. Right. It was quarterly. It turned out to be now it's like an annual thing. We just had one the other day. I, I, I didn't attend it. Totally forgot about it, to be honest. But um, when they gave us our results from our blood work, it was it was interesting because another department did it, and they actually got guys' help who actually were having um, – they found cancer in their, in their body. So right. For us, we so all – So this, 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 is, this is active firefighters at the active moment that had – had no idea prior yeah. to this this yeah. this survey, right? Yeah, exactly. Wow. All active. Some of them maybe two years, three years, and you know they're wow. finding, hey, they might have cancer. They they yeah. they got the help, and you know it wasn't serious. Good. Yeah. So when you get the results, call them up if you want, and uh, they explain them. And yeah. excuse me. So when I read mine, I I was I was sweating. Oh, God, what are these numbers? What is this? Yeah, but... I call right up. And I was like, "What is this?" And they're like, "Oh, it's just because you know you're in, in this industry, um, your numbers will be a little bit higher than other people. You know, depending on what type of service right. you do, 
It could happen with different types of construction workers, different types of blue collar workers could have these same types of PFAS and PFAS yeah. and PFOS, I believe. Um, but everything for me came back clear, which was, which was a blessing. Oh, yeah. But, you know, we do things here to try to prevent it as best we can. But we all know in the fire service, you can't prevent everything. But you can mm. do your best to try to mitigate the risk as most Exactly. So, um, what do you guys do as far as now? I'm staying on cancer for just another minute. Yeah. Um, I know Ottawa, Ottawa up in Canada, they have a, one of the departments there, a couple departments there. Um, somebody was telling me about this. When they have structure fire or anything where they're coming in in contact with an IDLH atmosphere, they are deconning a quick wash right as they come out of that structure. No matter the temperature, and they get real cold, but they're deconning right away, uh, and not allowing any of those contaminants back in their apparatus. Their their rigs do not allow dirty yeah. gear in in their in their cabs. Um, here, where we are, it's it's not as persistent. You know, other parts of the country, yeah, they're doing it, but here, yes and no, we're we're doing it, but we're not doing it to that extent. What do you what do you do where you are in, in anything with the decon coming out of um, any type of atmosphere? So yeah, that's I, that's, I was going to um, I was going to touch on this actually. Um, so off the back of what I was saying before, um, and sort of the research and everything that's gone into it, every um, every service. So how it's how it works here is for each county. Each county has its own fire service. So it could be. That where I am, it, it's, it operates slightly different to. I'm on the west coast, so it could it might be that where I am operates slightly different to the east coast or the south coast. Um, it generally won't be that different, but there'll be little things that we may do or that we may do that we're a little bit behind on or we're a little bit ahead of. So we have like a contaminants working group, which I uh, am a member of. So we will we we'll have quarterly meetings and we'll discuss actions that we can take and what what are what are other services doing uh what are what what could we be doing that we're not doing and um, so you know what in terms of when we come out of the job the we've now issued instructional videos to every every member um which sort of gives them a step-by-step guide of what to do when they come out of a fire so you Exit the exit the job. Um, you, if I try, I'll try to remember it step by step. I'll, I probably won't remember it exactly. Um, but basically, the gist of it is: we come out of the job. Um, we have fans that we'll stand in front of to try and basically stand in front of this fan, and you rotate every thirty seconds. And the idea is that it it blows any sort of loose uh, matter that might be on you. It blows that off your off your person if you like away from you um you then uh you'll move into a different area if you like and you'll take the wipes out um take you take your gloves off uh your helmet off that will come off um your flash hood will come down over your so like your, your snood will come down over your mask you leave your mask in place that'll come down and you will. I'm trying to think of the. We've got a couple of different procedures for different things, but like the dry peel as well. 
So basically, you'll 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 try and take as much of your kit off as you can. So um, you get the gloves out, and you'll start wiping down um, your head, your neck. You'll remove your your BA set. That'll come off. Your jacket will come off, and then your mask will come off. Um, so that you can then step away from your dirty kit and you're not still stood in your dirty kit breathing in all these sort of these these toxins that are, are off gassing from your kit. Then you'll use the wipes, we'll wipe our our hands, our face, our neck, jaw, underarms, any kind of exposed skin we'll use um decon wipes to kind of get as much as much of that off as we can. Um we'll we'll put a fresh t shirt on, our kit will get bagged up um and sealed away, put in a, a locker on the appliance, that'll get backed up and then that'll get put away for cleaning when we get back. If we haven't got any clean kit, this is if you you know you you are contaminated. If you haven't got any clean kit, we'll be unavailable until we get back to the station and then we will we'll have a shower, we'll have a wash, get your clean kit out and then you're ready to go again. Uh, we do also now have like a, a contaminants unit which can be requested to come out to a job to provide, um, you know, all this this cleaning kit, fresh fire kit, so that we can be available from the scene again, so that we're not delaying uh, the emergency response. Uh, we we now have fire engines that have two BA sets in the back, so that's another thing. The BA set will get it'll get a wash down, but it'll get backed up as well put into a locker so we can then clean it when we get back to station. So we have four four BA sets in the back of an appliance. Um so if we do put two in a bag and put it in a locker, we've still got two that we can use. We now have some newer appliances that have two BA sets in the cab and two in a locker on the side of the machine. So the idea there is we're going to a job, we wear the two that are in the back of the cab, we'll get out, we're good to go. Then at the end of the job, the clean sets come out of the locker, go into the back of the cab, and the dirty sets will go into the locker, and then they'll get cleaned properly when we get back to station. So it just means that you're not putting a, you know, a, a contaminated BA set back into the cab. You're not putting dirty kit back into the cab and contaminating the cab. Um, and we try and enforce that that clean cab uh, approach, which is, I'm sure, as you know, it's much easier said than done. And what should happen versus what does happen can be very different. It depends on all sorts of factors, and it's just about trying to trying to hammer that home really and get people to actually do it really. Um, yeah, and there's there's other things that we're doing. Like we, there's some services have done the surveys, like you say, um, blood tests, uh, sampling a certain number of of service personnel, um, and I think there's quite a few that are doing it. I think Tyne and Weir. Uh, uh, on the northeast coast, were one of the first ones to do that, and there's there's other ones that have, have started doing that as well. Um, and our our union, Fire Bridge Union, have been pushing for all sorts of things like presumptive legislation. We don't have that in the UK, so if a firefighter does get diagnosed with cancer, it's pretty much impossible to prove that it is a, a direct result of your occupation. Um, fortunately, we have the National Health Service here, so we don't end up with you know, astronomical medical bills. Um, but it is it is something that would benefit firefighters here because, you know, we provide compensation for the families and and any any further assistance really just to try and get them the best the best care possible. 
uh, yeah, there's a, a, a wealth of stuff that we're trying to do that, you know, it's kind of, we've been working on for years and slowly a few things are starting to fall into place. Um, but we're still, you compare us to like, you know, Europe and like the Scandinavian um, countries are still so far behind in terms of what, what they're actually doing. It seems like we're far behind. I mean, we have um, cancer initiatives and different um, different foundations and organizations that are out there really trying to, to help the cancer initiatives here in, in the States. But, wow, that, that just seems a lot. But we don't have much. And where I'm at, we don't have backup gear. We don't have an extra set. I mean, some departments... Right. Do, you know, well, some so you only have one, one set of gear. Right. Set. So we get back, if we're that... We're that dirty. We have our own wash. Like we're we're fortunate. My department's fortunate. We have our own wash at our station. Yeah. So some don't. Some have to send them out. But um, we have a wash in our in our bay, right next to our apparatus bay, and we wash our gear. But you're out. Nothing you can do. Yeah. You, you can't so is that a washing you. machine? Is that, yeah. is that a, like an an industrial washing machine? Is it or yeah? yeah we have an just... industrial wash, and we have yeah. a, a gear dryer. It looks like a big closet. We hang our right, stuff in yeah. there, and that's it. Um, so, excuse me. So we've been trying well, to, to push, and like, can we get a backup set of gear? Like, you know, we don't have all the most money. Some departments have a lot more where they have two sets, so yeah. five years. So they'll get yeah. two. Um, we're starting now to start get into understanding that better. Our administration is now saying, well, you know, we have to start supplying these guys with better stuff and more stuff. And, making sure they're safe. So we're getting there where I'm at. I can't speak for everyone, but just personally speaking, we don't have everything we need, but we're doing the decon wipes. Yeah. I personally keep a whole box of them in my locker. And if I see yeah. someone doesn't, they're, 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 hey, take this, wipe yourself. Yeah, down. great. We come out, we wash ourselves off, but we use the little, you know, we run a booster line to start spraying off each other. But, you know, there's more we could do. And we're still learning and still getting there. but. Nothing, nothing like taking the fan and, and blowing that stuff off. We actually have to call special, special teams to come in for that kind of stuff. And it's really right. more for hazmat incidents. But when you think of a yeah. structure fire, it's still technically a hazmat incident. Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, it is. But we're not, we're not there just yet. But we're getting there. We're getting there. That's the. Do you know what? That's the other thing. Um, you just reminded me what. Um, what I was discussing with somebody recently, the, in terms of the hazmat sort of side of a, um, even just a normal house fire, really. So, um, you know, you put the fire out, we come out, don't we? We, we take our we take our breathing apparatus off, and then we'll go back in without the breathing apparatus on to turn over, damp down, um, take a thermal scan. You know, make sure that we're we're cooling it okay, and we're we're taking the temperature down to an acceptable level, and we can hand it over to the homeowner. But really, we should be under air for that period of time as well, because you know, you you in terms of hazards, you've got carbon monoxide and hydrogen cyanide present in the atmosphere, and after a lot of fires, which are responsible for heart attacks and strokes in in firefighters and cancer. Um, and that's really when we're probably at, you could argue we're at more risk doing that than we are actually fighting the fire, really, because of, of what we're breathing in. So, you know, you should be taking a gas monitor in with you. 
you should be you should have some form of respiratory protection on while you're while you're, you're working through that part of the incident and that I mean that that's kind of em- embedded in the culture really that that's just what that happens and it's only now that we're actually looking at well maybe maybe we should be taking a slightly different approach to this to this part of the this part of the job I mean that the changes that have occurred just in the last few years are quite significant in terms of I think the impact that it'll have on you know hopefully firefighters like myself that have done a while but have still got a long time left and firefighters that are sort of just coming into the careers it's going to have a massive impact on them because I think if we get that behaviour changing now in five years time it'll be the norm and they won't believe what we used to do you know like people that I, I work with now they, they'll they say you know for a car fire they didn't use to put a base on they just hold the breath and you breathe you breathe anything in it was just how it was um, you wouldn't catch anybody doing that now um, putting a car fire out without a base on so hopefully there'll be some of the stuff that we are starting to change now fast forward five ten years you won't see any anything like that and it'll just be you know something yeah. from the past yeah like like here we um any overhaul we go back in we're wearing SCB. we have our packed on we're on air going in yeah. um yeah. gas monitor from imaging camera we're bringing it all in um because like you said the hydrogen cyanide piece uh, there weren't studies done here in the states that firefighters are having heart attacks after yeah. calls, and they've noticed they had high levels of hydrogen cyanide right. in their yeah. blood. So, was it a heart attack or was it hydrogen cyanide poisoning? Yeah. So, it's all these little things, and that's the one thing we're doing is you have to have an air pack on, like car fire. Um, all structure fires, you can't take them off until the IC deems it safe, the incident commander. Um, and that is when you're out of the hot zone and you're you're not in the fire or the smoke anymore you no air pack on yeah. which is good you know i remember just like you said back in the day nobody was doing that we were walking in rubbing our faces putting yeah, stuff on yeah. us, you know like it's yeah. like a badge of honor eating drinking outside yep yeah, yeah. people were yeah. the one common thing a lot of fires are doing i was never one of them but they're reaching for cigarettes <laughs> with their dirty yeah. hands <laughs> yeah you know they're guys were doing that and i knew a bunch of them but that was one way they were just increasing the chances of ingesting god knows what and uh yeah bringing stuff back home not wanting to take showers none of this none of this stuff was known up until 20 years ago if that yeah. if that long ago yeah. so you know it, i think that i think that's the thing a lot of it wasn't known was it whereas now we have the information now we have no excuse now no there's no excuse there's none for it so we beat up cancer a little bit, but um, you mentioned also about just taking care of yourself, taking care of yourself, your mental health, your physical health, because um, it all comes down to you. So what what do you do with your yourself, your department, whatever you're talk about, taking care of yourself? What's that like? So I guess it's kind of an ongoing struggle, really, um, to maintain it. It's a, a, a bit of a battle. And you know, there's things that you in, intend to do, things that you want to do, and then there's, I think sometimes there's a bit of a gap between that and what you actually manage to do. 
Um, but I think as long as you're always aiming and you always have good intentions and you you follow through as often as you can. Um, so, you know, for me, um, I guess it's about you know, enjoying enjoying what I'm doing um, away away from work as well as at work. I, I kind of, I always say to people, you know, yeah, we have, we, you know, let's make sure we're, we're putting everything into what we're doing at work and we're putting these steps in to take care of ourselves. Um, you know, a lot of the risks on the job are unavoidable, but there's a lot of stuff that we can be doing to, as you said, mitigate those risks. And that's the important thing. So there's things that are within reach that we can be doing, um, that we've got no excuse not to be doing really. Like, like why wouldn't we do these things? Um, and I would say that it's important to remember that your job isn't everything. Your job isn't your whole life. It's so important to have a, a work-life balance. And, you know, I do all these things at work and I try and take care of myself at work and away from work so that I am still around in hopefully 50, 60 years. Um, and I've lived a full life and I'm, I'm there for my family and, and my friends. And I haven't just, you know, I haven't just given my life away to, to a job, basically, that really would just carry on tomorrow without me as I was never there, probably, um, because that's the kind of that's the kind of industry we work in. It will just carry on when you're not there. So you need to have something for yourself outside of that. So for me, it's just, you know, keeping myself fit, physically active, um, Making sure I've, you know, I'm, I'm paying attention to to my partner, making sure that she's getting the best of me as well, um, as well as my job. So, you know, it's important that I put as much as much energy into my personal life and my relationship as I do as I put into my job. Um, so I've got certain things that keep me busy, and I, I like to go surfing. Um, I'm into my music. I've started meditating as well over the last few years, um, especially through COVID. Um, I was I got into into meditation, which really kind of helped me to manage my my stress levels, if you like. So my partner was she she was uh, classed as vulnerable throughout the the pandemic. So there were certain precautions that we were having to take just to try and reduce her chance of of, of getting ill as much as possible. So I found that quite a stressful time. So there was there were there were things that I was doing. Um, just to try and manage my stress levels and meditation was a massive part of that um, and it just helped to manage my sort of anxiety levels throughout that period and I've carried that on as well and I've found that it's you know it's it's leaking into other areas of my life I'm, I'm, I feel I'm, I'm probably my organizational skills have increased my decision making skills of I feel of have developed as a result of spending this time on myself and just trying to maintain that kind of healthy headspace, if you like, for myself and taking a bit of quiet time. Um, and just, I feel it just stops me getting overloaded, if you like. So I think that's a good, a good thing for people to, to just bear in mind really that the job isn't everything and you need, you need something outside of that, especially when you, you know, when you finish, when you leave or when you retire. Absolutely. I mean, you brought up two things I don't think a lot of people really talk about when they talk about what you do to take care of yourself. Um, you brought up being there for your partner. You know, 
Um, that's one thing I, I think people don't want to say, but it's highly important. To that's like, if you don't have that, what do you really have? You know, if you're not there for the ones yeah. you love and the ones that love you. And um, so I can't stop coughing today, but um, <laughs> I'm trying to hold it in. But cough away, cough away. Sorry to keep coughing. Um, so that's something people don't talk about, <clears throat> you know, the, the whole partner. And um, the other one was meditation. What, what do you do? Because I've, I've been wanting to get into meditation. I don't even know where to start. But I hear many people talk about how it's, it's benefited them so many different ways across their life, across their career. Yeah. Um, but what, what do you do for meditation? How does that work? What do you use? So I use the Headspace app. Um, okay. A friend recommended it to me a few years ago. Um, so it's, it's guided meditation, really. I, I feel like I, I have I've progressed to the level now where, I mean, I'm still, I, I, don't get me wrong, I'm still very much a beginner. Um, but I feel I'm, I'm now at a level where I don't always need to use the app. I can do it by myself sometimes, um, just take a bit of quiet time. Normally, I will use the app, and it's like a guided meditation. So I put my headphones on, or I'll just play it off my phone uh, next to me. And it just, there's different programs on it, different like daily meditation, uh, like little sound bites, if you like. And it just, it'll give you a five-minute, a 10-minute, 15-minute, whatever you want, guided meditation. And it talks you through, um, like, Breathing exercises, uh, body scans, um, focusing on your breath, focusing on your body, and then you kind of, you kind of, I noticed the point where I kind of something clicked, and I, I really felt myself kind of click with it, and I was like, right, I think I think I've got the hang of this now. It took a while, because uh, I, I, you know, historically I've always struggled with my attention span and, and maintaining my concentration. Um, and this, that's another thing that this has, has really helped with. It's kind of helped me to like slow down that in, that internal chatter, if you like, that kind of distracts me from from what I am trying to put my attention into, trying to focus on. So, yeah, it's like it's just a guided meditation app. I think there's a few of them out there. So there's Headspace, there's Calm app is another one. Um, so yeah, I'd I'd recommend starting there really because it literally just talks you through it. It's like a step by step. Instruction, uh, someone's there in your ear telling you what to do and telling you how to do it, um, and that for me that was that was where I started. I started off just doing five minutes, um, sometimes I do ten minutes, sometimes I do fifteen minutes, sometimes I'll just do a couple of minutes. It depends what I've got the the patience for, really. Um, and I don't do it every day. I'll go through phases. Sometimes I'll do it every day. Sometimes I might not do it for three or four days, and I'll do it every day for a week. I try and do it four times a week. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm I'm doing pretty well at the moment. I'm I'm managing what I'm aiming for at the moment, which is good. Right. It's like a per, uh, specific time of day that you do it. You have a specific morning, afternoon. I like to do it first thing in the morning. Um, That's what I hear. I feel, yeah, it feel I feel it kind of just kind of clears my head. I feel um, and yeah, sets me up for the day. Or if I'm gonna if I'm gonna read really maybe if i haven't done it that morning and then i'm going to sit down with a book in the evening i might do five or ten minutes before i start reading because i feel that i'm more in the present and less likely to get distracted 
after I've just finished, I can really sort of focus on what I'm doing. Um, so yeah. <laughs> Often again, I, 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 <laughs> no I, was, uh, I was doing something right before this, and uh, I think I inhaled too many fumes. I was cleaning, cleaning something, it's just been stuck in me. Yeah, that'll do it. That'll do it, but you know, sorry for all the coughing. Um, no, no worries. Yeah, so taking care of yourself. I mean, we don't talk about it the way, for the most part, we don't talk about it the way you, you brought it today. You talked about being there for your partner, making sure you know, the fire service isn't your whole life. I mean, we say it, but do we mean it? And you mean it. It's one part, you know, because we're not there. They're going to keep going. And a guy at my firehouse, he says all the time, and we'll, and we'll wrap it up on this, is the legacy you leave is not with the fire. It's with your family and those you raise. And uh, I believe that. You know, I, I, get, I get wrapped in time to time, you know. Me too. Me too. It's gotten to that. But at the end of the day, I don't want my kids thinking all I did was work. That's all I do. And when they look back on it, it's like, oh, all he did was work. All he did was go to that firehouse. That's all he was focused on, you know. Well, I'm the focus. Remember the stuff that is really meaningful. Yeah, we're making impacts in people's lives, but the real impact is 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 your family. At the end of the day, absolutely. And we have to keep yeah. our mind on that. And using that meditation is a great way to keep that that ground with you and and your and your loved one. Hundred percent. I think uh, I love that. That's quite a quote. That I like that. That's great. We were just talking one day, and he just. He's this old, older guy, and he just like, "Hey, man, let me tell you something real quick." And it, it just, it just resonated because we always have these deep conversations. We go into these tunnels of conversations on things, and sometimes you just get very spiritual with me, and uh, it, it really helps. You have to kind of rope me back in because I get kind of hot headed a little bit. Yeah, go, go, go yeah. but can't always go. You got to kind of be yeah. there. Take care. That's of yourself. great. Yeah, love it. Bit of wisdom. Love yeah. it. Sometimes everybody needs it. Everybody needs yeah. it from time to time. This was good. This was a really good one, man. I appreciate this. Yeah, man, I enjoyed it. That was, that was yeah. I've enjoyed it. Thank it. you. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate yeah. it. You have a come on back. Come on, we'll talk more. I know you got definitely. To, I would. I would love to. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to, mate. Definitely. Before we leave, just want to tell anybody, everyone, listen, where they can find you on the social web so instagram uh at stoke event is that's my main platform i did have a, a website for a little bit but i wasn't using it so I, I got rid of it um so yeah instagram at stoke event um that's the main one if you're on instagram which i think most people are uh, and yeah if you want to get in touch you want to talk about anything um yeah send me a message give us a follow and uh yeah i've i've, I've enjoyed engaging with people on there and i've made quite a few connections um you know yourself um is a great example um you know i think we've i've enjoyed um you know interacting with yourself over the last few years since uh i started the page and um yeah i look forward to doing to doing more of it absolutely it's a great page you put out some really good information good content um, and uh, it's always intriguing to see what you're going to post when you post it so uh, grateful to have you Thank grateful you. to meet you and I'll be able to connect with you. What I'm going to do is I'm going to have my uh, 
my boy Tom Marciano. He's going to send, I'll give me your email. Send you over a calendar link for our station talk episode where both of us are on and we're just having this conversation again in a different type of format. So yeah, no cool. rush on it. You can, you can book it out for whenever you want. So I'll get that over to you. I'll get it over to you sometime this week, maybe next week. And awesome. uh, just throw it on out there and let me let us know. So, Definitely. I'd love that. And I'm so confident. So we're going to wrap <laughs> this up. So James, again, thank you very much. If you're on Instagram, follow Soap Invent. I'll put it in the show notes so you know where it is. The link will be in there. Just click on it. Follow James. Reach out to him. Interact with him. And keep learning. And until next time, work hard, stay safe, live inspired. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of the 5 Tool Firefighter Podcast. If you like what you heard and you want to hear more, please subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, please leave us a rating. And don't forget to pick up the book, The 5 Tool Firefighter, available on Amazon at thefirehousetribune.com. Until next time, work hard, stay safe, and live inspired.